today on Voice of Restoration. Our journey is not complete until our gay brothers and sisters are treated like anyone else under the law. For if we are truly created equal, then surely the love we commit to one another must be equal as well. It's because of you I was able to marry the love of my life, my husband back home, and also this guy. Hi! I was actually able to marry my wife. I wouldn't have gotten married two years ago if it wasn't for you. Thank you, President Obama. Because of you, I got to marry the girl of my dreams. today's episode of the Voice of Restoration. We are continuing on the topic, Our God is Speaking. Who is hearing? Who will understand? If you are just joining us for today's episode, I'll advise you to order for our previous tape where we had the introduction to this series and you'll be sure to follow through and you understand what we are going on with today. Last week when we left off, we're talking about the foundation of the throne of God, which was righteousness and justice, and how that God requires of us, for those of us that are called his own, for those of us that call ourselves the children of God, how God requires of us to build according to his nature, that our life will be consistent with the nature of God. Whose nature are you carrying? As we continue today, I'll implore you to follow through Call your loved ones, get your Bible, and let us study and learn at the feet of God. Join me to welcome Pastor Afolabi Oladele as we continue to look at the Word of God again today. You're welcome, sir. Thank you, Lucy. And that was an excellent summary that you gave there in terms of where we started. And today, we are going to get a bit deeper into that portion of Psalm 90 where Moses began to speak about who knows the power of your anger? Who knows the power of God's anger? And we are going to be giving you examples of those nations or individuals that had to experience the power of God's anger so that we also, who are living in our times, will not feel so far removed and we will evaluate the things that are going on in our lives, the things going on in our nation, Along with the examples that we are going to be showing you, I wanted to pay attention to three things mainly. What were the things that these nations or individuals, what did they do that called for the anger of the Lord? Number two, what were the elements with which God dealt with those nations or individuals? And number three, what lessons are we going to be learning for ourselves and for our own generation? Particularly in the light of all the events that are going on, whether it's with respect to weather, 
or whatever it is that you see around you that you would typically ignore. Mm. When you see those clips, please pay attention and look at those three things and note them down mm. because they will help you in deciphering what's going on around us mm. today. The first example that we are going to be looking at was the sinking or the drowning of the old world, as we call it. Mm. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6 and let's take it from verse 1 all the way to verse 5, reading from the Living Bible. Genesis 6 from verse 1, the Living Bible. Now a population explosion took place upon the earth. It was at this time that beings from the spirit world looked upon the beautiful earth women and took any they desired to be their wives. Then Jehovah said, My spirit must not forever be disgraced in man. Holy evil as he is, I will give him 120 years to mend his ways. Wow. I will give him 120 years to mend his ways. What do you, what does that want, what, those 120 years, what does that remind you of? He spoke to the exact time for the preparation of the ark. Because the ark was in preparation for 120 years. Mm. From the time that God decided it was time to judge, that, to judge those people, he gave them a specific time of warning. That was in the time of Noah. Yes, my dear, it is in the times of Noah. Mm. But the point to note here, number one, Angels, rebellious angels, left their habitation, took on forms where they cohabited with women. That, first and foremost, breached God's conditions of righteousness for angels because they had their own abode, mm. which they were not supposed to break, mm. number one. Number two, the center of the evil that they did predicated on taking on women all in the bid to make sure that what God said in Genesis chapter 3 did not come to pass when he said, your seed will bruise the head of the serpent. They came to, force, to, 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 to thwart, as it were, God's redemption plan. But little did they know that hell cannot rise against God's plans. Amen. I am giving you these tips so that you can reflect upon your life, the life of your nation. These people left the boundaries that God gave them. Two, they took steps to negate the plan, God's plan of salvation. And all of you, whether by law or by whatever means you think you have power to try and stop the prosperity of God's gospel, you can relate to yourself that you won't be the first to do that. The same end that came to them will come to you. You have a chance to repent. Go on, please. In those days and even afterwards, mm. when the evil being from the spirit world were sexually involved with human women, their children became giants of whom so many legends are told. Mm -hmm. When the Lord God saw the extent of human wickedness and that the trend 
and direction of men's lives were only towards evil. He was sorry he had made them. It broke his heart. And of significance is the fact that he gave a warning. I will give man 120 years to mend his ways. To mend his ways. Listen to me, dear friend. Consider the things that you are hearing as evidence or warning that God is giving you. Mend your ways. Turn away from your unrighteousness. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while yet he is near. Let the wicked man forsake his ways. And the unrighteous man let him forsake his thoughts and return to the Lord. Because the same way the eternal God vented his anger upon this generation, it's coming. And we are speaking to you. Be careful. Now, as you will find in Genesis chapter 7, this man, Noah, God said, I found one man. I found one man righteous. And that man was Noah. And God gave specific instructions to Noah as to what he should do. That rain will fall had never been experienced on the face of the earth. Before so people, people, people just said, these guys have come with their madness again. Mm -hmm. As some of you will say, by the time we get to the fullness of the things we are sharing with you, that these people have come again. You won't be the first to come that way. The people in the days of Noah saw him building the ark, saw his children, and 120 years is not a short period. They grew so used to it that initially they would criticize and then they would just be passing back and forth, go around their business and so on, and think, leave that madman alone. But the madman knew he heard from God. He knew he heard from God. And all we are appealing to you, even if, if, if these are the voices of men that you are listening to, seek God, hear from him concerning the times we are living in. If these are normal times, if they are not, then look at your ways. Look at the judgment that came upon these nations and consider that the same can come upon our times and indeed is coming upon our times. Yeah. So for 120 years, they had the opportunity to change their ways, but they did not. Business as usual. In the way that the word of God put it in the New Testament, Jesus himself said, as it was in the days of Noah, people went about their business. Plenty of weddings, plenty of money making, as it is what is most uppermost in our hearts now. And in that time, when they did not expect, what they thought had never happened, happened. The rains came. The whole world, as was known then, was flooded down until every living soul, every, whether animals, except those who entered into that ark of salvation, all of them perished. I invite you, if you haven't known to the Lord, if you have not committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, this is time for you to consider your ways and come to the ark of salvation, who is Jesus Christ himself. So, if you go to that Genesis chapter 7, and just very quickly read through the things that happened there, because it's important that people should, should follow and see that God will bring his word to pass. So you, should, you may choose not to believe. Mm -hmm. He will bring his word to pass. Amen. Go on. 
Genesis chapter 7. Finally the day came when the Lord said to Noah. Finally the day came. I wonder whether Noah himself was beginning to think, mm. what is this? When one? is this going to happen? You have just put me to shame now. Mm. For one day one, year one, year two, year three, year four, year, year 120. But finally mm. the day came. Yes? And the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family. Come up hither. Yes? For among all the people of the earth, I consider you alone to be righteous. Mm. Bring in the animals too, a pair of each, except those kinds I have chosen for eating and for sacrifice. Take seven pairs of each of them, and seven pairs of every kind of bird. Thus, there will be every kind of life reproducing again after the flood has ended. One week from today, I will begin 40 days and night of rain. I want the, the, most people don't pay attention to numbers. Why did he say one week? How many, how many days are in a week? Seven days. Seven. That number seven is coming again. Mm. A cycle of seven. Mm. A cycle of seven. And I, I keep drawing attention to this because you will see it feature continuously about as to the timing of God's asking his people to come into his rest. Come into my rest. Come into the place of salvation. In a week, in seven days precisely, yes, go on. One week from today, I will begin 40 days and nights of rain, and all the animals and birds and reptiles I have made will die. So Noah did everything the Lord commanded him. He was 600 years old when the flood came. He boarded the boat with his wife and sons and their wives to escape the flood. With him were all the various kinds of animals, those for eating and sacrifice, and those that were not, and the birds and reptiles. They came into the boat in pairs, male and female, just as God commanded Noah. One week later, when Noah was 600 years, two months, and 17 days old, the rain came down in mighty torrents from the sky, and the subterranean waters burst forth upon the earth for 40 days and nights. But Noah had gone into the boat that very day with his wife and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. With them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animals, domestic and wild, and reptiles and birds of every sort, Two by two, they came, male and female, just as God had commanded. Then the Lord God closed the door and shut them in. For 40 days, the roaring floods prevailed, covering the grounds and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the water rose higher and higher above the ground, the boat floated safely upon it, until finally, the water covered all the high mountains under the whole heaven. Standing 20, 22 feet and more above the highest peak, and all living things upon the earth perished, birds, domestic and wild animals, and reptiles, and all mankind. Everything that breathed and lived upon dry land, all existence on the earth was blotted out man and animals alike, and reptiles and birds, God destroyed them all, leaving only Noah alive 
and those with him in the boat, and the water covered the earth 150 days. Who knows the power of your anger? Mm. This is what we are trying to bring home to each one of us listening to this. Just look at your imagination. Going back to the things that I asked you to take note of, what was God's weapon here? Water. Water. Lagos State Government did something that was unusual in this last one week. Came with a public announcement for the first time, at least in my own, you know, in my own reckoning, warning everybody of the level of rain that was likely to fall. About 240 days. And for what period? That's an extraordinarily long period for rain to mm, fall. Mm. And in terms of the depth. Giving a warning to people, don't block channels because floods will come. Mm. May God teach us to number our days mm. and apply our hearts to wisdom. Amen. Water. Look at the men in those days. The way the earth was, well, it was just dew coming from heaven. They had never seen rain before. So imagine people who don't know how to swim. Mm. And those who thought they were strong enough to climb mountains and go to the highest mountain so that the water would not reach them. The water went 22 feet above the highest mountain. The highest mountain. Wow. So whatever giant was living at that time also, mm. no matter how tall they thought they were, mm. Awesome God, who knows the power of your anger? Are you going to wait to experience the power of the anger of God? I chose to bring these examples to you of the reality of the things that history has actually proved happened. So this has gone beyond the realms of myth. History proved that the flood happened. So if he did, then you better be careful because God will bring his word to pass. They breached the righteousness of God. They wanted to thwart the plans of God. Those who were warned refused to hear. And the judgment came as God has spoken. Who knows the power of your anger? Give me that verse again. In that Psalm 90, because it's important. I want it to ring in the hearts of the people. That's verse 11 and verse 12. Uh, verse 12 in particular. Psalm 90, ESV. Yes. Mm. Verse 11. Yes. Who considers the power of your Who anger? Who considers the power of the anger of the Lord? Yes. And your wrath according to the fear of you. And your wrath according to the fear of you. So teach us to number our days. So it is the, 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 the Paul said it in another place. He said, knowing therefore the terror, the terror of the Lord, we ask men to do what? To turn back from their wicked ways. Knowing therefore the wrath of the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I think I want, I want that quoted so that we can see. I, I don't want to belittle this and I don't want it to belittle the enormity of what we are trying to convey to you. Even those who didn't live in the days of the flood, even those who didn't live in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, even those who didn't live in the days of Pompeii, this man got to understand and it got to him to know what it is that God was saying. Second Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's verse 11. Verse 11. Verse 11. 
Therefore, yes. knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing therefore the fear of the Lord, we, or the terror of the Lord, or the anger of the Lord, yes, we persuade others. I am persuading you. But what we are is known to God, mm. and I hope it is known also to your conscience. Thank you. So, all we are saying to you is that these things are not intended to be looked at and ignored. Let's go to the second example that happened in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember the things that I asked you to take up, to pay attention to? What was it that these people did that angered God? What instrument did God use to bring about judgment to them? And seeing this, what is your reflection on how you are living your life? Now you will find in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis chapter 19, I believe it is. Genesis chapter 19. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom, and Lot was sitting there as they arrived. When he saw them, he stood up to meet them and welcomed them. Sirs, he said, come to my home as my guests for the night. You can get up as early as you like and be on your way again. Oh, no thanks, they said. We'll just stretch out here along the streets. But he was very urgent until at last they went home with him. And he set a great feast before them, complete with freshly baked unleavened bread. After the meal, as they were preparing to retire for the night, the men of the city, yes, Sodomites, young and old from all over the city, surrounded the house and shouted to Lord, Bring out those men to us so we can rape them. Stop now. Who gathered there? Who are the people who gathered around the house of, um, of, of Lot? The men of the city, young the and old. The men of the city, young and old. The people who came into Lot's house, were they women? They were men. They were men. So men wanted to do what? To rape men. To rape men. You understand what it is that was happening there. That's the obvious side of it. The non-obvious side of it is that these men came as strangers in the city. Mm. The city refused to show hospitality to them. Mm. Somebody chose to exercise hospitality to strangers. And it's good for you to begin to see what has gone wrong in our society, in the society in which we live in. Who of us feel comfortable to bring in strangers into our house now. <laughs> you are riding on the road and you can see so many people who are standing on the road and so on and so forth. You can see the agony. But the fear of the wickedness. Who, I mean, in the past, we used to say, okay, right, here you are going to Lagos, come into my mm. car. You don't know. One of the guys who worked in the office, uh, one of the offices I'm associated with during this last week, he stopped his car because he wanted to urinate. He was under pressure. I, he stopped the car. Unfortunately for him, he thought he was, he was just going, going to quickly pee on the side. He left the engine running. While he was peeing, somebody entered his car and drove the car away. Oh my. This is real life story. So you can see the nature of the society itself has changed. Where people no longer observe the basic principles of social responsibility. Mm -hmm. It was present in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. 
he was present in the days of uh, of Lot of of, of of Lot also, where people just by virtue of that they were they were strong and they were forceful, they could trample upon people's liberty and take what belonged to them. Go on, please. Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, fellows, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters, and I'll surrender them to you to do with as you wish. But leave these men alone, for they are under my protection. Stand back, they yelled. Who do you think you are? We let these fellows settle among us, and now he tries to tell us what to do. We'll deal with, <laughs> we'll deal with you far worse than with those other men. And they lunged at Lot and began breaking down the door. But the two men reached out and pulled Lot in and bolted the door and temporarily blinded the men of Sodom so that they couldn't find the door. I want you to, I chose to read this translation so that you will see the relationship between here and what Paul then began to relate in Romans chapter 1. Let's take that. Because he said, he temporarily blinded them until the fullness of judgment came upon them. I, I have to bring this out to our understanding. I hear such terrible things that God created me to be homosexual. Which God? This my God? You, must, you, must, you are possessed. God did not create any man homosexual. God did not, uh, did, not, uh, did not create any woman lesbian. Something happened. And what was kept, what was not openly done, even in the generations that came after, not until Mr. Obama, in the second term of his administration, decided to open this up. And then all across the world, same-sex marriages came. Yeah. Except that man repents. He has marked himself for destruction. Yeah. I say that of Obama, because he thinks he was getting popularity. He didn't know that he had become a tool in the hand of Satan yeah. in unleashing wrath upon the nations. Yeah. Give, yeah. Us, uh, give us that Romans chapter 1. Take it yes. from verse 18. If you read in any, any, any translations that you want. NLT. Mm -hmm. But God shows his anger from heaven against oh. all sinful. God shows his anger. Who knows the power of your anger? Mm. We started with understanding the pillars of God's throne. Righteousness and justice. And justice. God shows his anger against every manner of what? All sinful wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Yes. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Mm. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. Mm -hmm. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Mm. Yes, they knew God but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas. Now, remember, they began to do what? Think of think foolish, up foolish ideas. ideas. Now, remember, during the last broadcast, I told you, every man that turns away from absolute dependence upon God is of no use to God. Mm. Because God created me, God created you to be totally, totally dependent upon him 
walking according to the precepts that he has set in his word. Now, if you go away from that and choose to follow your own ideas and your own reasonings, mm. God does not contest it with you. He mm. gives you up to it. Mm. Go on. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. Mm. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. The minds became dark and confused, yes. Claiming to be wise, yes. they instead became utter fools. Remember that they were thinking according to their own ideas, not according to what God spoke of himself. Mm. Yes. And instead of worshipping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful thing their hearts desired. God abandoned them. Look, I say it again. God did not create anybody lesbian. God did not create anybody uh, gay. gay. Uh, yes? Homosexual. Uh, homosexual or LGBT or transgender or whatever. It is an aberration from which you need absolute and total deliverance. Absolute and, and God can do that. You can go online and see the testimonies of those who God has shown mercy to get them to understand. But I, I'm showing you the perversion of righteousness that, that, that triggers God's anger as it did in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes? As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Mm -hmm. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So you can see doing the vile things with their own bodies is a consequence of abandoning the truth of God. Mm. You can get back to the truth of God and be delivered. Amen. And be broken. Amen. Your ideas, they mean nothing to God. Mm. They are instruments of rebellion against God. Mm. And God himself, in his own time, when he comes... In the, ven in the in, in vengeful anger, you will have yourself to blame. Mm. For this cause, is this word coming? Yes. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Mm -hmm. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex mm -hmm. and instead indulged in sex with each other. Mm -hmm. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. Mm. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. Twice again, mm. you will see this being repeated. Because they chose not to acknowledge God, God abandoned them to their foolish, foolish thinking. thinking. And led them to do the things that should never be done. Why will you wait until this happens to you? Mm. And I urge you, because this is also... You despite the fact that the law was never passed in Nigeria, you find it commonplace. Mm -hmm. Lesbianism, uh, transgender, transgender, whatever, even in our land, not knowing that you are building up, ready to receive God's judgment. It's time to return. Mm -hmm. The Lord can break the hold of this satanic influence upon your life mm -hmm. and turn you back to his word. Amen. You know? 
So let's go back to where we were reading in Genesis chapter 17, Genesis 19. chapter 19. I, I, I needed to give that interjection for you to understand all that the eternal God has spoken in relationship to the things that were happening in the times of Sodom and Gomorrah. Men wanted to rape men. Men decided to do that which was contrary to God. Go on, please. Verse 12. Mm. What relatives do you have here in the city? The men asked. Get them out of this place. Son-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone else. For we will destroy the city completely. The stench of the place has reached to heaven. Mm. And God has sent us to destroy it. Mm. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, Quick, get out of the city, for the Lord is going to destroy it. The but the young men looked at him as though he had him. lost his senses. I wanted to pay attention to here, because these things, we, we're using contemporary language so that it's easier for you to follow. Mm. A warning was given, a time was given, and a people, one who heard it, went out to reach to those he wanted saved. Mm. And I'm saying to you, the contemporary events that we are seeing are warnings from you from coming from the eternal God. Mm. And we are speaking to you, those of you who know and those of you who don't know. It's time to use the words of my sister when she started. Let your nature be exactly the nature of God. Let your obedience be to the word of God. Let your life speak to the nature of God. And you who may have been saying you have this tendency and co, you need help. And God can break that yoke. Because these people, they waved up the warning. They waved up the warning and said, they just, they mocked him. Uh, yes, go on. At dawn the next morning, the angels became urgent. Hurry, they said to Lord, take your wife and your two daughters who are here and get out while you can or you will be caught in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. Mm. Flee for your lives, the angels told them, and don't look back. Escape to the mountains. Don't stay down here on the plain or you will die. And the man started negotiating with God. Mm. In the clip that you are going to see, concerning Sodom and Gomorrah. You will see things that, hitherto, because what the scripture says was that fire and brimstone came to destroy the, 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 the cities on the plain. Mm. In fact, science and archaeological research actually showed that God hit the entire place with meteorites. It was meteorites that hit the place. And when you see that clip, you can relate it to the things that have happened even in contemporary history. Mm. When meteorites hit certain places in, 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 in the Siberia, what it did to the place. The only reason we are going to this death is to bring to your consciousness who knows the power of your anger. anger. Who knows the power of your anger. And as you look at these things, don't consider it strange that it can happen again in our own time because they will. Yes, please. Hmm. Verse 18. Oh, no, sirs. Please, Lord, beg. Since you've been so kind to me and saved my life, and you've granted me such mercy, let me flee to that little village over there instead of into the mountains, 
for I fear disaster in the mountains. See, the village is close by, and it is just a small one. Please, please, let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is, and my life will be saved. All right, the angel said. I accept your proposition, and won't destroy that little city. But hurry, for I can do nothing until you are there. From that time on, that village was named Zoa, meaning little city. You know, and it's, 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 this, is, this is our confidence and why we are saying this. Do you know that it was the prayer of one man that restrained God in destroying every place just for the salvation of one man? And that's our passion for you, particularly those of you out there who don't know. I'm not speaking to criticize you. I recognize that you need help. Anyone who is in the bondage of gayism, lesbianism, homosexualism, transgenderism, you need help. You need help. And Jesus is able to deliver you. Amen. Why would you wait? Following the foolishness of men who are walking according to a new world order. They come show themselves in the face of acceptable, the first black president of the world, instrument of darkness, agent of Satan he was, no matter what it is that he did. In as much as he breached the principles of the eternal God, you will see in the clip, you will hear him speaking publicly, all men are created equal. Thinking the, the ideas by which they set up their country are the ideas that work in the kingdom of God. No, they are not. They are not. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of God. It's not, it's not, it's not kingdom of Urbana or kingdom of the people of the new world or that. I have no regrets in speaking about this man because his own words condemn him. Our journey is not complete until our gay brothers and sisters are treated like anyone else under the law. For if we are truly created equal, then surely the love we commit to one another must be equal as well. The things that he was speaking were in sync with the things that were read to you from Romans chapter 1, from, from verse 18 all the way to verse 34. I urge you, it's time to stop living on your own ideas. To look at the word of God and hear the word of God and repent and turn to the word of God. Any man who strives for independence from God is a man who has rejected the principles of God you are fit for destruction absolute loyalty obedience and dependence upon God is the only way for you to escape yes now so what more can we say concerning Sodom and Gomorrah now you will find as I showed to you if you turn very quickly to Ezekiel chapter 16 Let's take it from verse 48 to verse 50. And you will see the different elements that are not clear in the issues relating to Sodom and Gomorrah. And as she reads, reflect upon our own society, the way we live in our country. Reflect upon those things and say, are those things present in us? This was God speaking. He said, look at your sister. He said, if you take it from verse, um, verse 48. As I live, the Lord God says, mm. Sodom and her daughters have never been as wicked as you and your daughters. You see, God was now comparing Israel to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he then went on to list the things mm. that characterized the life of the society in Israel mm. at that time. Mm. 
for him to say, look at you. He said, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, go on, please. Your sister Sodom's sins were pride. Number one was what? Pride. Laziness. Number two was laziness. Too much food. Too much food. While the poor and needy suffered oh, outside while her door. The poor and needy suffered where? Outside, outside her, her door. door. When you look at that scripture, it brings you right back to the parable of the rich man and Lazarus that God spoke to. Mm. They're outside your door. You go in, you go out, you see them hungry. Mm. Oh, the government officials say, even, even the, the, the royal kings of the country say, oh, people are suffering in the villages so much. You see, that, what are you doing about it? These are the principles of justice by which God will judge the nations and the rulers of nations. You hoard things to yourself. You steal from the poor. You steal from the, from, the, from, the, from the commonwealth of the land to aggrandize yourself. You go out in the streets and you see people, and you say it with your own mouth, people are hungry. You won't be the first to say it. They did the same in Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at yourselves. Go on, please. She insolently worshipped many idols yes. as I watched. Yes. Therefore, I crushed her. Mm -hmm. Even Samaria has not committed half your sins. Mm -hmm. You have worshipped idols far more than your sisters have. If you look at it in the, in the King James Version, it spoke about you committed abominations. And the abominations that you saw when you were looking at Genesis chapter 19 was absolute disregard for the principles of God in terms of respecting boundaries of sexuality. Mm. Look at our own society. Look at our land. Where is the sense of decency? Where is self-discipline? Hardly would you pick up a newspaper in our land that does not have a story of rape. And a horrible rape of that nature, of mm. old men, three-year-old children, defiling them. There is madness in the society. And these things pass not only in the big cities. Some governments are waking up now to take the issues of, of rape and take those things to court. Or in some, some other places, it's, it's just that people consider it as normal. Mm. There's nothing normal about rape. There's nothing normal about homosexuality, lesbianism. There's nothing normal about that. It is the influence of satanic spirit, like compelling lateral spirits spread upon a nation. Last year, something happened in this city of Lagos. In the center of wealth, they were advertising young women in their prime, dancing half naked, just with their bras and co. In um, malls, in Ikeja here, yeah. a young woman absolutely stuck naked, okay. just, she just painted her body, came out of a car and walked right through the mall. It was here in the city. And people applauded. People stood there. They didn't stone her. This is the level of lasciviousness that we see in our society. Mm. We consider it normal, but it is an aberration. Mm. It is an invitation to the wrath of God. Mm. Who knows the power of your anger? I speak to you, my, bread, my, my friends. And it is not on the outside. Inside churches too. Mm. Terrible things are going on. Terrible things are going on. So-called men of God sleeping with, with, uh, with people inside the church. Even the, 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 the churches have become a bedlam of unrighteousness. Why, will not, why won't God judge this nation? 
Why won't God, if God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, except for mercy, this nation is also right for it. But you have a, I have a part to play, you have a part to play, that's why we are speaking about it publicly. Sound the alarm and ask God for mercy and let us turn back to his, to turn, turn back to his ways. Yes? So you will find that these same things, pride, arrogance, laziness, and inability to even help the poor, so much greed. I, I, I just, I, I almost could not contain myself when I saw that uh, ex-senator that was, that shot a video and he was so proud to even put it on social media. What kind of spirit has possessed him? And he then calls upon the name of the Lord praying that God should, should, should help him because he has taken us too much and then the source by which the money is coming is no longer there. God have mercy on you. God have mercy on you. I will speak to all well-intended men who who can see the things that we are saying? Because all that we are trying to do is to bring close to you those nations and the people who have experienced the wrath of God. Perhaps because they are so far away, we can't see them. And that's why we are bringing this close by. And those clips that you are going to see of Mr. Obama in his speech, of Sodom, of what exactly happened to Sodom, and the tools which God used in destroying Sodom, those are the things that are of relevance. The sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. God's weapon that he used in dealing with them. Those same weapons are still available. Mm -hmm. Let's take the last example. How many of you have heard of the city of Pompeii? It pleased God as part of just studying. I visited Pompeii myself. And brother, was I shocked. What things you saw there in terms of the judgment and the anger of the eternal God. In terms of the judgment and the anger of the eternal God. In the clip of Pompeii that you are going to see, the people were so used to what was going on that when the volcano was rumbling, oh, they said, uh, the God of the says is just doing his thing. Mm -hmm. And on the streets, they were drinking, they were enjoying. It was a time that they were celebrating the gods. You will see in that clip, a woman, he never knew the man, she just jumped on the man. And the man, the, the level of lasciviousness. When you see sexuality, some of the things that are, not, are best not spoken, it's best that you just saw it yourself. So you can see that when God chose to destroy Pompeii, not one single man escaped. In the middle of their enjoyment, poof, the volcano went off. My words can't describe it when you look at it. And God's armory there, the things of nature, earthquakes, volcanic eruption, these were the things that God used in judging. I plead with you, my dear listener, don't take for granted the things that you are seeing around you. God is speaking. Who is hearing? Who understands? And the whole reason of saying this is to cause you to come to your senses and bring you to the realization of the anger or the power of the anger of God so that it may shake us back and take us away from our wicked way. That's it. What are the things that these three 
that we that we went that we reviewed what are the three things that, what are the things they had in common sexual perversion sexual perversion it was a common cord that tied all of them together so let's not take it for granted i was reading something parents hardly pay attention to their children I read something recently of a mother who didn't understand the trouble that her daughter was going through. We are the elder brother of this younger, of the, of this younger girl was, uh, how did she put it now? She had a, he had a crush on her sister. And the young woman had been so pestered, it was at the point where she said, should I give up and let him have his way? That would have been incest. Did the parents teach him? You've seen the horror of Malianism in our land. No respect. Don't graduate. Mm. Don't put on brass. Don't put on pants. Don't you see the evil spirits that are prevailing in our land? And you, you say, oh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's modernism. These same things prevailed in those days. For which cause the judgment of the eternal God came upon the land. I hate to say it. The same things that God used. Fire and brimstone. You've seen what has happened in Lagos. The chief commercial city. Mm. Whatever you like, call it. But I'm opening your eyes to see the armory of God. It doesn't matter where it is, whatever, the, whatever it is that triggered it off. Mm. Never has it happened, at least in my own recollection, within how many months of each other, you had two major pipeline fires, destructive things that took the lives of people. The fire that happened in the commercial center of Lagos, uh, where, they, where they sell all the things um, in Lagos, Odunlami, Balugu, and whatever. People don't understand that these are also instruments of judgment. God saying, I don't agree with the way you are living. Mm. I don't agree with the, you are, with the way you are living. The chief city of this country, Abuja, last year had a second tremor. Many more are coming. Let us return to God in repentance. In that Romans 1, verse 32, the very last verse, if you get it in in English Standard Version, it says, yes. Though they know God's righteous decree. These are people who know God's righteous decree. That those who practice such things deserve to die. That know that those who practice all these strange things that we have spoken to. Adultery, idolatry, uh, homosexuality, all of the things that have been listed in this scripture. We know that they deserve to die. And we shut our mouths, we do nothing. Mm. And this scripture says the judgment is also going to come upon us who know and refuse to speak. Then not only them that do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And in our quietness, we are giving approval to mm. the same. Mm. I have seen on social media uh, what things that you thought were present in, 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 in big cities. In recent times, they showed a gentleman who was caught sleeping with a goat. 
we had, we had, we had such things happen. I have seen, this will be about a year or so back, one of the girls in the University of Lagos, in this same Ikoyi, where the rich men pay these young women for dogs to have sex with them. What is the problem? What's going on? And we go on as if everything is hunky-dory in this society. God is speaking. Who knows the power of his anger? We are showing you these things that you may see this God, that he is not a weak God. I want to just wrap this up in showing to you a few things concerning God. Don't take his quietness for weakness. Mm. In the day of Moses, Moses saw him in action as he recorded in his testimony in Exodus chapter 15. Mm. Let's just take that. Exodus chapter 15. Your might cannot stand against the power of this God. Moses saw this God in action. And here his testimony of what he saw when God dealt with the most powerful army in the world. When God dealt with the most powerful army in the world. Mm. I want you to see the instruments that God used in dealing with them. Mm. Because we'll bring this in relation to the current events that we are seeing. Mm. When the mightiest economic powers are brought to their knees by just little things. All things that are in the hands of the eternal God. All things that are in the hands of the Most High God. Yes? Exodus 15. From verse... Well, take it from verse, verse 3. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord, the Lord is his name. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Yes? Pharaoh's chariots and his host have he cast into the sea. The most powerful army in the world of that time, he cast them into the sea. They had chariots. They had mighty horses. Mm. Look at the instruments that God used in mm. finishing them. Go on, please. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. They were drowned where? In the Inside Red Sea. Inside water. How mm. did it happen? The deaths have covered them. Mm -hmm. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Mm -hmm. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Mm -hmm. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. Mm -hmm. And in the greatness of thy excellency, thou hast overthrown them mm -hmm. that rose up against thee. Mm -hmm. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which God consumed them as stubble. wrath that consumed them as stubble. His right hand, what were the manifestations of his wrath? What are the manifestations of his raised right hand? Yes. And with the blast of thy nostrils, you blast with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. And the scriptures recorded that the wind, the east wind came. Mm. The armory of the eternal God, that he spoke as the, the blast of his breath, he called into being the wind, and the wind came and caused the waters to rise up. Mm. Water, wind are members of the armory of the eternal God, mm. and he's still using the same. Mm. But it, when you go back and look at what happened with Pompeii? When you go back and look at what happened with Pompeii, the weather elements that came in there came into play. If the wind had blown in a particular direction, it would have blown all the, all the, all the lava, all the hot dust that caused the people to die. It would have blown into it. But God made sure 
the wind did not blow in that direction. Mm. He ensured that the, team, the wind Directed. was turned around. You are seeing tornadoes, you are seeing hurricanes, you are seeing all of these things. These are weapons in the armory of the eternal God. Mm. Who knows the power of his anger? Mm. We are showing you the elements that we normally write off as if there are things in nature. But these are instruments of judgment mm. in God's weaponry. Go on, please. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. Mm -hmm. The flood stood upright mm -hmm. as a heap, mm -hmm. and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. When he said congealed, typically the bed, the, the, the bed of rivers is soft, is soft with mud. Mm -hmm. He said the breath of God caused the thing to solidify mm -hmm. for the righteous to pass through, and bang, when the enemies of God came in, mm -hmm. the waters came back and sang them. Mm. You think these things are just fairy tales, but the elements of it we are seeing all around us. Elements of God's weaponry, water, wind, fire, fire meteorites, and they are still there, mm. ready to be used in these times. Go on, please, and finish that. The enemy said, I'll pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my loss shall be satisfied upon them. Mm -hmm. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Mm -hmm. Thou this blow with thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead in the mighty waters. Mm -hmm. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among mm. the gods? Mm. Who is like un the, unto thee? Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Thou stretchest out thy right hand, the earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Mm. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. Mm. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the Duke of Edom will be with shall be amazed. That's right. I'm just showing you who knows the power of his anger. In the day that God was revealing himself unto Job, after Job had complained and he didn't understand what God was doing in Job, in Job 38, verse 23, this is what Job said. Uh, take it, uh, if I take it from verse 22, God was saying to Job, Do you know, he said, Knowest uh, how hast thou entered into the treasures, treasures of the snow? Have thou seen the treasures of the hill, which I have reserved against the time of trouble? against the day of battle, against the day of war. The snow, the hail, are also elements that are, we are in the armory of God. God. So all of the things that we look at and so on, mm -hmm. oh yes, man is talking about climate change and um, uh, the, the Arctic is, is breaking mm -hmm. up and so on mm -hmm. and so forth. God is causing something to happen. You look mm -hmm. at it as the effect of climate change, and I don't deny that. But the one who is in control of all things, mm -hmm is setting up to bring judgment upon the nations. Mm -hmm. Who knows the power of, his, of anger. his anger? For this sake, for these reasons, we are bringing these things to the fore so that we don't write these things off mm -hmm. as though they were just normal occurrences. Mm -hmm. They are not. I'm bringing evidence forth to you to see that God, he means business. Mm -hmm. He's a man of war. He is not a weakling. Mm -hmm. If things have been slow, it is because he gives the time of preparation. Mm. Just as he gave to them in the days of Noah, Noah. 120 years. Just as he did to, this, to, to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, he gave a warning. Even Pompeii, as you will see, mm. he gave a warning. But the people, they just 
took it for granted. Mm. They took it for granted until it came. I'm asking you, consider. Don't take these things for granted. Mm. You know, Joshua saw this same God as a captain of his host in Joshua chapter, chapter, chapter 5 from verse 13. This man came and had a sword drawn. Joshua came to him and said, are you for us or are you against us? And he declared, I am come as the captain of the host of the God of God of the armies of heaven. Give it to me so I don't, I don't misquote that. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's Joshua, so number, Joshua number 5 from 13 to 15. And, and it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, mm. that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man mm. over against him with mm. his sword drawn mm. in his hand. Mm -hmm. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Are thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord mm. am I now come. As captain of the host of, of the, the Lord. Lord. Have I now come? Yes. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What said my Lord unto his now, servants? I need you to know something. No angel dares accept the worship of man. Mm. So who was standing here was not an angel. Mm. It was the eternal God himself. Mm. Because by the time you go to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8, verse 8, 9, and 10, he said, when God divided the nations, Amongst the princes in his cabinet, God chose Israel as his own possession. Yeah. And here was the eternal God standing in the angelic form, taking on the form of a man. Yeah. I am come as a captain and of the host, host of the Lord. This is the same one of whom Gabriel was speaking when he appeared unto Daniel in Daniel chapter 9 yeah. and said to him, I, at the time of your prayers, the commandment went forth. Yeah. For your prayer to be answered. I came, but the prince of, of Persia withstood me, and he held me captive there until Michael, the chief prince, your prince, came to set me free. God is a man of war, He is a God of war. He is not a weak God. Keep on flaunting your foolishness and your wickedness. The day of reckoning is at hand. Who knows the power of his wrath? He is not a weak God. David knew him in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. I need to get this because it leads into the next broadcast that we are going to be having. When you see nations that vaunt themselves in power, as though there is no one, there is no one like them, it takes a little thing from the hands of the eternal God to bring them to their knees. Why do you want to wait until the fullness of his wrath is coming upon us? And the elements of it are showing as we'll show you in the latter part of this broadcast, that the events that we are seeing around us, they are God sending notes of warning. Mm. Notes of warning. Prepare. Prepare for the day of the wrath of the Lord mm. is at hand. David knew him. When Goliath came, he said, you come to me with a shield, mm. with a big sword, but I come to you in the name of in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. Amen. And the armies of Israel were not the mere men who are standing there. Mm. No. Mm. If you want to know the armies of Israel, go and look at David when he was going to do the final battle that put the Philistines to silence. God said something to him 
when you hear the sound of the movement on the top of the mulberry tree, tree, go and start the different translations. He said, when you hear the horse moves, the clapping of the horses on the top of the mulberry tree, it isn't earthly forces that he was talking about. Mm. It is the armies of heaven mm. that God was going to use to deal with the land. Mm. Again, in the day that that Assyrian king came and tried to take Elisha, who they said was the one leaking the secrets and so on and so forth. Mm. And the servant of Elisha came out and he was afraid and said, mm. Lo and behold, look, this, this, I mean, and Elisha told him, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And the scripture said, Elisha asked that the eyes of this man be opened, and he saw an array mm. of the armies of heaven. Mm. God is not a weakling. Mm. He is a man of war. Amen. And he has the full armory at his disposal, beyond what man can put together. Mm. Examples of it we are seeing. COVID-19 is not just a happenstance. Mm. We will get there. But I need you to understand one thing. My dear friend, my brother, a child of God, let's not keep our mouth shut in telling it to all around us that the judgment of the eternal God is around the corner. Mm. It's not just worldwide, it's also in our country. Mm. Let us turn away from our wickedness. The series of things that were listed in Ezekiel chapter 16 that we read, our pride, our arrogance, our greed, our not taking care of the poor, the poor. our stealing from the poor, a destruction of the commonwealth of the nation, mm. all because you are in power, or you, because you are of one, of, of one clannish lineage. Judgment is coming, and mm. God will not spare. Mm. We will speak, and will continue to speak. Mm. I urge you, who is listening to this, who is seeing and who is realizing this, we do not speak to create fear. That's not my job. Mm. But it is for you to understand mm. what God is saying. God is speaking. Who is hearing? who understands, and what effect will that have upon your life. Mm. So it is that these things are there. And when we come, we will show you the full bloom of what God is doing with those who are conspirators against his will. Mm. God bless you. Wow, what awesome time we have had here today. The word of God is real, the word of God is true. Regardless of the times you live in, one thing is sure, wickedness abounds. But there is always a way of escape, taking a stand with God. Where are you pitching your tent? Are you going to sit by, perpetuate evil and wickedness? Or you are going to come into the ark and be saved? Mm. Because the salvation of God is there for you, my dear friend, my brother, my sister. Let's take advantage. Let us accept mercy. Let us accept God's salvation while there is time. Till we see you again. Stay connected to Jesus. God bless you. Sodom and Gomorrah and their fiery fate crop up in the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, in the Torah, and in the Quran. But whatever you've heard about Sodom and Gomorrah, you're probably getting things a bit confused. Here's the truth about Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah are like Batman and Robin. You're so used to hearing them together that one without the other sounds weird. Yet this cozy partnership is a little misleading because Sodom and Gomorrah were actually part of a larger group of civilization called the Cities of the Plain, a collection of five great cities that sat along the Jordan River in biblical times. 
The three forgotten cities aren't just background details. Although they appear in the story of Lot far less than Sodom or Gomorrah, they have their own names and everything. Deuteronomy identifies two of the other cities as Adma and Zeboim, while Genesis 19.23 identifies the final city as Zoar. But aren't Sodom and Gomorrah still the ones that get destroyed? Well, that's sort of the issue. The Bible repeatedly makes it clear that Adma and Zeboim went up in the conflagration, thanks to being equally sinful. Zoar's role is even more important. It's the surviving town that Lot flees to as God implements his whole plan of kill everyone and let me sort them out. If the average person knows anything about the cities of the plain, it's that they were incinerated because of homosexuality. However, there's also been a recent tradition of people saying, nah-uh, it was because the inhabitants were unkind to strangers. While homosexuality and inhospitality are the two most likely reasons Sodom went kaboom, there are more than those two options in town. We don't just mean on the fringes of theology, either. The Bible itself is a veritable galaxy of fan theories from different prophets on what exactly God was trying to say by blowing up Sodom in such a dramatic fashion. For example, Ezekiel says, now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. In other words, Sodom was iced for being a fantasy land that hated charity. But there are even more interpretations. Jeremiah implies adultery was what put a bee in God's bonnet. Finally, 2 Peter talks about Sodom being lawless, which you could probably either read as the inhabitants breaking a biblical law on homosexuality, or as them breaking one of the literally zillions of other laws the Bible covers. The reason for all these multiple interpretations is likely that the Bible's books were all written hundreds of years apart by wildly different people, all with wildly different axes to grind. Looking for a single, unified message from God in the story of Sodom is like looking for an easy way of beating Battletoads. Impossible. Most of the Old Testament is set one heck of a long time ago, and the book of Genesis is set even before that. So you won't be surprised to hear it's difficult to find scientific proof of its cities. But one major exception might be the city of Sodom. Back in 2005, archaeologists uncovered a vast site in Jordan known as Tal el-Hammam. According to popular archaeology, the discoveries they've since made may support the idea of the city being the biblical Sodom. Now, there are some caveats here. The lead archaeologist, Stephen Collins, is an evangelical who went into the excavation specifically looking for Sodom. As such, it might not be surprising that he thinks he found it. On the other hand, he definitely found an actual historical site of major importance in an area identified as the most probable location of the cities of the plain, dating from around when they would have existed that just happened to have been destroyed by fire. Whether or not Tal el-Hammam is Sodom, it went out in a similar fashion. The team uncovered a layer of ash dating from the Middle Bronze period burying the site, along with pottery that had burned at temperatures far too high to have been produced in a kiln. One pottery shard had even melted into glass. What could possibly cause such high temperatures in the ancient world? Good question! In 2018, Stephen Collins previewed a paper on what he believes happened at Tal el-Hammam. According to News Corp Australia, the signs point to the ancient city being wiped out 3,700 years ago in a cataclysmic event. It was an event that created so much heat, it turned pottery to glass, swamped the surrounding land in saline water, and rendered the site uninhabitable for 700 years. We'll give you a clue as to what could do all that. The same thing that wiped out the dinosaurs. A meteor exploding over the Dead Sea could easily account for all the damage seen at Tal el-Hammam. Remember that meteor that exploded over a Russian city back in 2013? That was just a minor airburst. In 1908, a much bigger airburst likely occurred over Siberia's forests. 
Known as the Tunguska Event, it flattened 775 square miles of forest and could have wiped out a sizable city if it hadn't happened over freaking Siberia. This theorized tall El Hammam airburst would have been half the size of the Tunguska Meteor. The difference is, it happened right beside five thriving cities. It's easy to see how someone witnessing such an event in 1600 BC would automatically assume God had just decided to blow up the world. Still, Collins' theory hasn't been confirmed yet. Until someone does some serious peer-reviewing of his paper, a theory is all it'll be. Zoar first crops up in Genesis 13, when Lot is striking out onto the plain of Jordan after parting ways with Abraham. Referred to in the Bible as the smallest city, it soon winds up the biggest by default when Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim all turn into clouds of smoke and death. But Zoar also has another claim to fame. We haven't just found the city's remains, we know plenty about its non-biblical history, too. Just check out the British Museum's overview of the site as part of their summer lecture series. Zoar has evidence of Neolithic, Bronze Age, and Iron Age activity. It was a serious trading settlement. The Romans wrote about it, along with the Byzantines. Even Islamic sources record its existence. Researchers have been digging there at least 20 years, and new discoveries keep cropping up. There are quite a few instances of biblical stories overlapping with tales from other cultures. The tale of Sodom and Gomorrah is no different, but rather than cropping up on an ancient Mesopotamian cuneiform or something, its doppelganger can be found somewhere much more accessible. The fables of Roman writer Ovid feature a tale called Baucis and Philemon, and it's as close to Sodom as you can get. See if any of this sounds familiar. One day, two heavenly beings in disguise, in this case, Zeus and Hermes, travel to a wicked city to see if they can find any good people living there. Lo and behold, everyone in the city is kind of a total jerk except a dude called Philemon who invites them into his home alongside his wife, Baucis. The kind couple feed their guests, who reveal themselves as gods and say they plan to destroy the city. Baucis and Philemon are told to run away and not turn back no matter what. The tale isn't a perfect copy, though. In Ovid's version, Baucis doesn't turn back and get turned into a pillar of salt, and the city is destroyed in an Atlantis-style flood rather than fire and brimstone. Oh, and the story ends with Baucis and Philemon turning into trees because that's just how fables rolled in ancient Rome. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah sucks for nearly everyone involved, but it really sucks for Lot's unnamed wife. After Lot's family are judged to be worth saving, they are told to run for the city of Zoar and not look back, a command that's pretty hard to obey when the whole world is exploding behind you. So Lot's wife turns around and, hey, presto, Genesis 19.26 has her turn into a pillar of salt. Ouch. The fate of Lot's wife is similarly cruel in the Bible and the Torah, but the Quran goes even further. While the basic outlines of the tale are the same, the Islamic scripture really sticks the knife in. In Surah Hud 1181, the angels tell Lot to flee with his family and not look back. But rather than have Lot's wife turn around of her own accord, the angels state, Let not any among you look back, except your wife. Indeed, she will be struck by that which strikes the people of Sodom. In other words, Lot's wife's fate was all part of God's crazy plan. Given the whole exploded-in-an-apocalypse thing, saying that the cities of the plain had some cruddy luck might seem like saying Noah got a little wet. But the thing most of us forget about Genesis is that Sodom and Gomorrah don't get introduced just to be destroyed. Before Genesis 19 sets them on fire, the cities of the plain feature in Genesis 14. The trauma came in the shape of the king of Elam, who'd ruled the cities of the plain for 13 years. In Genesis 14, the kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, Zoar, Adma, and Zeboim all rebel against him and raise an army. They ride out to do battle, but fall into a bunch of tar pits and get massacred. 
The king and his allies then ransack Sodom and Gomorrah, taking all their possessions and food and carrying a ton of their citizens off after the raid. Time for another raid. Time to swing the old sword again. That's right, the famous reign of fire the cities experienced was only their second apocalypse. They were already recovering from a devastating war. In this context, it's kind of hard to judge the Sodomites for getting up to a few hijinks. The mega-apocalypse is just the first part of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. No sooner is all the fire and death over than the Bible segues into another equally famous tale, the one where Lot's daughters get their old man blind drunk and sleep with him in order to continue his line. Why did they do that? The lazy explanation is that Lot's daughters thought the rest of the human race had perished and were just doing their duty. But Genesis 19 is quite clear that the family had just left the surviving city of Zoar. So again, why? For an answer, you'll need to turn to Genesis Rabbah, a Jewish book from Roman times that offers interpretations of Genesis. Genesis Rabbah makes it clear that a Messiah king was prophesied to one day come from Lot's line, so his daughters were less interested in preserving the human race than they were preserving Lot's genetics. I'm sure it was quite common in those days, limited gene pool, incest, and what have you. Well, that would probably explain why Lot's wife was so dead set upon returning to the Forbidden City. Saving Lot has a tremendous impact on the biblical narrative, and some of it is just really, really negative for the Israelites. After Lot's daughters seduce him, two of them give birth to two boys, who both go on to found dynasties of their own known as the Moabites and the Ammonites. According to Britannica's two articles on the subject, the Moabites and Ammonites then spend the next few centuries waging continuous warfare on the Israelites. Still, there were some positives. King David was descended from Ruth, herself a Moabite, so no Moabite means no King David and no Solomon, who were pretty important Bible guys. On the other hand, it also means no centuries of warfare and fewer regional rivals. Take your pick. You might be forgiven for thinking that the most disturbing part of the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD was the sheer suddenness of Pompeii's destruction. But while the town's destruction was unspeakably tragic, the speed at which it happened wasn't nearly the worst thing about it. Two festivals happening in the town at the same time meant the tragedy at Pompeii ended up so much worse than it should have been. According to the book Pompeii, an archaeological guide, the Pompeians were in the middle of a multi-day celebration in honor of the Emperor Augustus. Known today as the first emperor of the Roman Empire, Augustus had died 65 years earlier and had just been made a god, as well as having the month of August named after him. Pompeii's streets were filled with public celebrations including street musicians, fortune tellers, plays, and athletic events. Many of those performers and athletes came from outside Pompeii to take part in the event, as did the visitors and tourists who came to see them. We can't know exactly how many extra people were in the town at the time of its destruction, but it is certain a lot more lives were lost than might have happened if the eruption had happened a month later. Even worse, the day before the eruption was Vulcanalia, the festival of the god Vulcan, otherwise known as the god of fire and volcanoes. It wasn't so much that the people of Pompeii didn't get a warning that Mount Vesuvius was going to erupt, because there definitely would have been smoke, small earthquakes, and loud rumblings at the very least. It was more that because of Vulcanalia, they would have interpreted these signs as good omens from the god rather than the warnings to get out of Dodge. As far as the townspeople cared, these warnings were simply signs that Vulcan was busy at his forge inside Mount Vesuvius, perfectly happy that everyone was celebrating his special day. We're in Pompeii, and it's Volcano Day. It wasn't just the timing of the festivals that screwed everyone over in Pompeii, though. It was also the weather. 
According to Perspecta Weather, the wind in that part of Italy during August tends to blow in a southwesterly direction. If this had been the case during the eruption, the cloud of ash and deadly gas from the volcano would have blown away from Pompeii. Sure, there still would have been the whole heat and lava thing to contend with, but that wasn't what killed most people in the city. If the ash and gas had spread in the direction the wind normally blew, far more people would have likely survived. But for some reason, that day the wind was blowing to the northwest, straight towards Pompeii. Aside from dooming the town itself, this also meant that many of the townspeople couldn't escape. Pompeii sits on a bay, and some people evidently attempted to escape by ship. But our only eyewitness account of the tragedy, by Pliny the Younger, says the wind was blowing dead inshore and stopped terrified residents, including his own uncle, from leaving that way. Their most effective escape route was blocked off because of a bizarre change in the weather. In fact, the nature of the wind that day was so bizarre that it has caused some historians to think we have the date of the eruption wrong. According to the Australian National Maritime Museum, the unexpected wind pattern could mean the eruption took place in autumn, later in the year than first thought. Considering many of the people of Rome lived around 2,000 years ago, it's easy to feel a disconnect between their lives and our own. But with Pompeii, we don't just have the skeletal remains of those who died, we can actually see in great detail the fear on their faces at the moment of their deaths. The nature of the detail in these remains makes the town's destruction feel like so much more than just history. When Pompeii was being excavated in the early 1800s, the archaeologists realized that, when they found a skeleton, it was always surrounded by a void in the compacted ash. The diggers started pouring plaster of Paris into the spaces, and what emerged were essentially casts of people during the last moments of their lives. In essence, the archaeologists could see the exact positions they took as the ash rained down. There are even animal casts, including one of a dog writhing on its back, twisted as if in great pain. We find several groups together, three people together, four people together. It seems that they, they may be helping each other. But modern technology can take this information even further. Seeker reports that in 2015, many of these casts were CAT scanned. This means we now know the victims' ages, sexes, and intimate details about their health. We can even construct accurate images of their faces, such as a four-year-old boy frozen in terror or a baby asleep on its mother's lap. Giovanni Babino, the head radiologist on the project, said, Working with these casts was extremely moving. It felt like I was dealing with real patients. Pliny the Younger provides our only eyewitness account of what happened on that day in Pompeii, and he didn't even write about it until more than two decades after the event. But his account shows that witnessing the city's destruction had a profound effect on him. Pliny was 18 and living across the bay in Mycenae when the eruption began. His uncle, Pliny the Elder, had also been a naval commander in the early Roman Empire and decided to sail to Pompeii to try and rescue people. Pliny and his mother were left to escape Mycenae on their own. Eventually, they left their house because the strength of the earthquakes made staying inside dangerous, and they had to keep shaking off ash so they wouldn't be crushed by the weight of it. Elsewhere in the town, people began to panic, and false rumors quickly spread about Mycenae being on fire. But, according to Pliny, it was the noise that was the worst. He wrote, You could hear the shrieks of women, the wailing of infants, and the shouting of men. Some were calling their parents, others their children or their wives, trying to recognize them by their voices. People bewailed their own fate or that of their relatives, and there were some who prayed for death in their terror of dying. Many besought the aid of the gods, but still more imagined there were no gods left, and that the universe was plunged into eternal darkness forevermore. Pliny the Elder died at Pompeii, having failed to save a single life. 
Historians still aren't exactly 100% sure how people in Pompeii actually died. But it's mostly accepted that, in general, they were smothered by ash and gas, crushed when buildings collapsed or hit and killed by falling debris. This is why the bodies archaeologists have found show people were largely intact when they died. But this might not have been the case for victims in other cities affected by the eruptions. According to National Geographic, in the cities of Herculaneum and Oplantis, things were all the more disturbing because they were probably hit by pyroclastic surges, catastrophic mixtures of ash, lava, and noxious gases. But the deadliest characteristics of a pyroclastic flow are heat and speed. They can move at 50 miles an hour and reach temperatures of 1,300 degrees Fahrenheit. That kind of all-consuming heat can effectively flash-fry a person to death. It causes a person's bodily fluids to boil instantaneously, including those inside their brain, essentially causing their head to explode. Within 10 minutes, all the soft tissue on their body would vaporize. And there's strong evidence that this happened to many of the victims in Herculaneum and Oplantis. If Egypt has taught us anything, it's that people really do not give a toss about the sanctity of the dead, with tombs in that country being ransacked almost as soon as they were sealed. The same is true in Pompeii. Despite it being the final resting place for thousands of victims, all grave robbers tend to think about is how much shiny stuff is buried with them. And the residents who fled their homes in terror did make it easy for these thieves, since many of them grabbed all their valuables to bring with them. Since Pompeii wasn't really rediscovered until the 1700s, these grave robbers have remained active up to the present day. Pompeii's official website mentions archaeologists unearthing one room and finding tunnels dug in the ash and the skeletal remains of six individuals thrown around, damage done by humans, not a volcano. A shop was also discovered in 2016 with evidence that looters had been there first, although thankfully they managed to miss a hoard of gold coins found inside. In 2017, there was actually so much tomb raiding that, for the archaeologists, it became a race to dig out new areas before they were found by crooks. Not everyone who steals digs a tunnel, though. Some just pick stuff up when they visit as tourists. Luckily, a lot of them come to regret that decision. According to The Telegraph, in recent years, authorities have been sent a hundred packages returning items pilfered as souvenirs, with many of the repentant grave robbers believing the objects had brought them bad luck. Perhaps the worst thing to happen to Pompeii since the eruption was the fact that, for a long time, it wasn't even properly taken care of. And it wasn't the archaeologists in the 1800s who screwed up, but those in charge of the site during the second half of the 20th century. In 2008, The Guardian reported that the Italian government had declared a state of emergency at Pompeii. Not because the volcano was about to erupt again, but because the historic site was in such a state of disrepair. The conditions were described as squalid, with the amazing site swarmed by souvenir hawkers, fake parking attendants, and bogus tour guides. It had few signs, even fewer security guards, and only three bathrooms. The third of the site that was still buried was even being used as an illegal trash dump. But more dire, according to Reuters, was the decades of neglect the UNESCO World Heritage Site had suffered with visitors expressing shock at the site's decay. Frescoes and stones that had survived almost 2,000 years were deteriorating at an alarming rate, with thousands of pieces lost every year. Restoration work that had started in 1978 was still nowhere near being completed. The culture minister at the time stated that to call the situation intolerable doesn't go far enough, and a year-long state of emergency was quickly declared. A special commissioner was thus appointed to try to save the site before human laziness and selfishness could destroy Pompeii all over again. 
To this day, the volcano that destroyed Pompeii is considered one of the most dangerous in the world. Mount Vesuvius made it pretty clear it wasn't messing around when it buried numerous towns and killed thousands of people back in 79 AD, but that eruption wasn't even the most destructive in terms of damage. That happened in 1631. But for some reason, the area at its base is still regarded as prime real estate. Six million people currently live close to Vesuvius, and according to Volcano Discovery, three million of them are at serious risk if it ever erupts again. And the problem is that Vesuvius tends to get very angry very quickly. Unlike some volcanoes, Vesuvius doesn't let off small warning eruptions before the big one. Instead, this volcano tends to sit perfectly quietly for a long time and then suddenly let off a massive, deadly eruption. It also has a much tighter timescale for eruptions than other volcanoes, so even though it last blew in 1944, it could easily go again tomorrow. Even some supervolcanoes are considered less dangerous than Vesuvius. The Italian government has multiple plans in place should another eruption occur. At a minimum, 600,000 people would need to be evacuated from the immediate risk zone on the lower slopes of the volcano. Unfortunately, it's uncertain whether these plans would actually be effective or not, and seems almost a given that not everyone will be saved. Repent, New Orleans, for your drunkenness and your addiction! Repent for your sexual immorality and your celebration of debauchery! Repent! Do you know Jesus? What will you say when you stand before Him? Repent for the witchcraft! Repent for the false religion and the sorcery. Repent before it's too late, my friends. Your soul is hanging in the balance. Do you know Jesus? We are desperate for your soul. We don't want you to perish. Do you see the streets? They're empty. Look at what the hand of the Lord hath wrought and let it wake you up. Let it wake you up. We're asleep. We're walking in darkness, the blind, leading the blind. And the Bible says that if we do such, we will fall into a pit. We have to wake up. It's your soul in the balance and I care about you. I don't want you to perish. Only God can empty these streets, my friends. Remember Katrina. Remember what has happened before. We have to stop making the same mistakes. What happened when Noah got into the ark? The flood came. The rain fell from the ground. The deep waters flowed. And every man, woman, and beast perished. The end of all things is upon us. Judgment is coming ac across our land. Judgment is coming. The earth will be burned up with fire and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And those who do not belong to him will not be with him in eternity. We must repent, New Orleans. We must seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let us turn to the Lord and he will have mercy. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For he has said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's from the mouth of God Almighty. He'll give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When's the last time you saw these streets empty? 
Do you feel the tension in the air? We're so afraid of this coronavirus. 